Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> and welcome to the Wrestling Headlines Tables, Ladders and Chairs. A review going out moments after the pay-per-view has finished airing on the WWE Network. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and I'm here live to give you the full aftershock. The review for what we have just seen. What what we've what we've just seen? <laughs> so yeah, another interesting end to the interesting end of the year. As I uh, have been announcing on the NXT and Raw reviews, uh, this is my final WWE thing of the year. I'm tuning out after this. This is my final note of the year. What I just, like, little did I know, (laughs) watching this, this would be my final show of the year. This, that match, (laughs) that final match was my final, like, taking away point for WWE of the year. We'll just make a note. Like, often I'd quite like to talk about pay-per-view as a whole before I get into the big talking point where, as you can tell by the graphic on screen, I'll be talking about the Inferno match first. But the pay-per-view as a whole, I really enjoyed it. Absolutely flew by. Quite often WWE, uh, there's that issue of the pay-per-views either feeling a bit long in the tooth or they outstay their welcome, which is an issue with like Raw quite often. But this, uh, the uh, to be fair, the Thunderdome pay-per-views, aside from Survivor Series... The Thunderdome pay-per-views have all been hits. They've all flowed like this, where they've had those like maybe like three big matches, in a th- uh, which have all hit or re- done relatively strongly, and then three other matches where maybe they don't, but they're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. Uh, TLC, it felt like it was a bit higher than that because the three matches that were not like your main big ones, they all relatively had their own kind of strengths as well. The uh, Especially Sasha Banks Carmelo. When I get to that, I really enjoyed that match. Both tag team matches were fun as well, and had like reasons for existing. Uh, But yeah, and the top three matches all delivered in the ways that they were kind of hyped to deliver, and they all hit all of those marks. So can't really complain. I thought this was a fantastic pay view in terms of like pacing and blasting through it. I wasn't fatigued. Fatigued? That's an odd way of saying that word. I wasn't fatigued by the end of the three hours watching that show. So, yeah, a strong way to end the year with a solid card looking at it. Like, I saw quite a few people beforehand just saying how solid they thought the card looked, and it hit me whilst watching it. It's like, no, wait, no, yeah, they're all right. I don't really see a super weak point on this, especially with Charlotte Flair being revealed as the returning person, because I'm just as the mystery partner for Asuka, because I just watched this. Yeah, that Raw Division needed Charlotte. <laughs> they need, or needed somebody, because Asuka had nobody to defend against. It's been a nothing reign. There's a reason she's fighting for the Tag Team Championships. <laughs> Literally nothing to do. Uh, so, yeah, it's it was a very strong pay-per-view. So thumbs up all... It feels good. Thumbs up all around. Because the last pay-per-view I did was going would have been... Uh, I'll technically take over War Games because talk about that. Yeah, I didn't directly cover that, but for me that was a bit of a disappointment. But Survivor Series, I thought as well, was a bit. Uh, but yeah, aside from Survivor Series, aside from War Games, that that blip of November. <laughs> aside from that, yeah, it's been pretty solid, and it was yet another solid one, and ending in a very unique way with Randy Orton and the Fiend. 
in their Firefly Inferno match. This is a case and example of the current Thunderdome world with their being able to pre-record to edit, and what comes with editing is multiple takes of things. Uh, I get the, uh, I get the, and you get set up shots as well. Again, like less like a wrestling thing and more like a television thing that happens to be wrestling, where you are you're doing actual editing around it. You're stopping to then set up the next shot, and you're doing that. So it's not really the flow of a standard match. For example, I fully expect Meltzer and Alvarez to say they can't give this any stars uh, purely because they can't rate it as a wrestling match, so they can't give it any of their wrestling rate stars because it's not really. It's more of a piece of production, I guess, in the style of wrestling. It's an odd one. This, I feel like this was their strongest effort in that regard. As wacky as it was, <laughs> I feel like this was their strongest effort in the doing a match that's been edited around and pre-recorded beforehand. And again, and they've clearly stopped, set up shots, gone to the next bit. I feel like this was their strongest effort in that. The other ones, like especially the cinematic matches, have been extremely hit or miss, uh, or extremely. I was going to say avant garde, <laughs> but I mean different. <laughs> I don't mean as artsy as avant garde, but I guess yeah, just different. I guess a different way of putting it. Forgive me as I rub my eye, it is half past three in the morning. On Christmas week, nonetheless. <laughs> ho, 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 hence the Santa. But yeah, the uh, I felt like this was one of the strongest ones. Like, the editing wasn't jarring. Uh, yes, it would sometimes jump a little bit, but the sole focus of they wanted it to still flow like a match, where I feel like the, the greatest match ever had a bit of the... It was, there were too many other things happening in the greatest match ever. For you to be able to watch it just as a standard match. And ho ho ho, Merry Christmas Sam. All the way from Australia. Where you are now about to enjoy your... Figures out time zones. Day? <laughs> I want to say day. It'll be day in Australia. Yeah. Yeah, you're entering the day. That's right. Yes. I've done shows with you before. I know how things work. <laughs> but yeah. TLC was incredibly strong. And um... oh yeah, actually you know. Before I get into the... Like the guts off the match. We'll just plug, as Sir Sam's popped up in there, I plug the end of year awards. I've literally just gone up thanks to Sam uh, over on the Wrestling Headlines website, which I finally stopped calling Lords of Pain. It's only taken me half a year. <laughs> but uh, they are live. It's the afternoon. Good God. Time zones, right. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, the end of year awards for Wrestling Headlines have gone up over on the website if you want to go and check that out. It's, uh, there's Multiple categories, for, I was going to be more specific, but if you go to the link, you can see all the multiple uh, voting categories that are there. We do this every single year, and the turnout is always great. It's fantastic to see so many people turning out to such a thing and taking part. And you get quite an interesting consensus as well. And uh, I don't know if this has been able to track what us economists have voted beforehand, or <laughs> what the uh, before the votes actually have come in. I have voted earlier today. <laughs> so it's... Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a quite it's an exciting time seeing what the consensus of the community have decided is the are the best of the year. Yeah, anyway, the end of the year post is over on Vetting Headlines right now. If you want to vote, do your votes whilst you're listening to me rabbit on. Just listen to me rabbit, 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 rabbit. Don't do Chaz and Dave references. <laughs> Not the audience. Right. Yeah, let's do random British acts from the 70s. What's wrong with me? <laughs> so anyway, so uh, yeah, Inferno match. Light your opponent on fire. Sounds simple enough. <laughs> Can't go there. And then you add on to the fact that it's the fiend in a match like this. And immediately, I think from the consensus on Twitter, a lot of people were expecting just the normal kind of 
uh, like setup we've had before. We got them inside the ring, but they're practically locked inside the ring because there's flames on the edge of it. And, that, that was, and I, I think I was another one just kind of expecting that because that's what they've done beforehand. But here the idea, and I saw um, before I could respond to anybody on Twitter because again I was making notes, I was watching the match, and then I saw on people on Twitter there were quite a few replies of, "Wait, where's the fire?" And I, I really wanted to just point out, I was like, well, I've seen random poles around ringside. I'm assuming they're hidden behind the barricade. Turns out, weren't particularly hidden. (laughs) They were just big boxes blatantly there. So if I'd paid actually more attention, I would have, you know, probably seen them. (laughs) I spotted the big pole. That was about it. But yeah, so uh, they did the setup of behind the barricades. And in terms of a visual... Ten times better. <laughs> so much better. They get to brawl around ringside. That as a match itself, it is so much better. They've got actual freedom to move about. It is, um, for me, I want to call it one of the best Inferno matches they've done. In terms of like the core of the match itself. Because you're actually able to build up tension. Because the hero can... Well, the not-monster. Because I won't call Orton a hero. The not-monster is able to run away. He's able to try and defend himself. Or, and then the monster is able to then lunge back in with a weapon, just like they're doing the 80s action flicks. And for me, that's what The Fiend, more often than not, reminds me of. It's like a slasher villain from the 80s. Yeah, you can you can knock him down, you can destroy him, but he's never truly dead. Uh, so, with the ending. Well, I'll get to the ending in a second. But that's what that reminded me of, and also why I think The Fiend isn't done. If you know anything about 80s slasher movie monsters or villains, you, there is no way to kill them. Even when they're burnt alive... They'll do the Terminator thumb out of the lava. <laughs> they do not die. Uh, but yeah, it was... I was specifically thinking of Jason. <laughs> if, anyone, if anyone was confused. Jason boys specifically. Uh, but yeah. I really... I thought this was a, a really strong match. And again, the for me, the best edited and put together, uh, together of their pre-produced matches with the high amount of editing. And I, th- I thought it did really well. It was... A very simple plot, I guess, if it's going to describe as much having a plot. But it worked. It kept the tension up. It never really died down. And I felt, um, the, I guess in a way, they learnt that lesson from the greatest match ever of how to keep that momentum going. And it worked for a match like this as well. Like The greatest match ever was like a 30-minute match where they edited out a lot of the pauses and tried to keep it as amazing as possible, having every kind of WWE thing that you would assume they consider the best thing ever all crammed into one match, highly edited together. And then this where it was more used to keep the pace up, which was like like essentially they'd learnt how to keep the pace up from that, and they used this you know for an actual reason, as in we plot wise we have a reason to do this, not just show wise. I think that really works. Hola, Daniel Perez. Don't know why I said hola. I'm very tired. <laughs> just, yeah, but anyway, I felt they did a really really strong job editing the Inferno match together. I'll get well, the end maybe. Not so much, but that's like a WWE having a stab at practical effects. It was a stab at it. I'm not going to measure them to Hollywood or B-movie straight to DVD or B-movie to DVD from the 80s. I'm not measuring against any of those. <laughs> but as a, I guess, first attempt. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting. But yeah, the match itself. Uh, first off, Orton was dressed head to toe in hoodie and tight fit. And immediately, none of my Twitter timeline people were buying it. <laughs> like, off the bat. <laughs> it's like, he's dressed head to toe. Uh, so Sam, so Sam, with the thing, he might as well be wearing a balaclava. <laughs> he's just covering himself that much, not taking any risks whatsoever. Uh, making us very aware as to who might be going through the fire. 
it was a nice MacGuffin. It was like, oh, but again, the other assumption was this would be a certain kind of Inferno match that we've seen before. And no, it was, you can go over the top because we've edited it. We've shot this beforehand, edited it together, set up shots so we can go a lot more crazy. Benefited this match so much. Uh, but yeah, my Twitter timeline asking, where's the fire? Where is this fire? Which then led to an awesome shot of Bray raising his arms. I haven't got much room to do it. It's Bray raising his arms as the fire burst out around ringside in mighty fashion. It's like, yeah, okay, that looked cool. My interpretation of it didn't. <laughs> I was like, shit, I haven't got the room that's... Uh. And extensions being built, everything's all crammed together. I need to take a photo of what this area looks like where I'm, where I'm doing this, what it actually looks like before I've removed everything, because again, it's an extension, everything's crammed up, there is no free table in the house. <laughs> so, uh, it's pretty bad, yes, yeah, the amount of stuff I need to move. Anyway, yeah, that was a cool as hell shot, it's the fire of just bellowed behind him, I wanted to think of a word that makes him grand, <laughs> it's just crazy, the amount of fire shot up behind him when he lifted his arms, and that was a fantastic shot. And it was it went really well because I literally had just read, read on Twitter someone just asking, like, where is the fire? And then he did that. <laughs> I was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah, that's cool. And it once the fire arrives, like, oh, that's that's way more dangerous than the normal lot. That's yeah, he really built the tension with that. And uh, the spots afterwards as well. Uh, the fiend lighting a leather strap on fire. Like, what a cool, unique spot. Well, well, hot spot. <laughs> just to the gag. But yeah, it was uh, to then launch at him with the leather strap set on fire. Like, oh, that was such a cool visual. And I thought, oh, they might throw in a couple of ideas like this. That was like getting you ready. They were setting you up. <laughs> That's what I mean in terms of kind of keeping up the tension and building up the match, uh, editing it up together all nicely. Like, no, they got you used to fire. And they got you used to fire being increasingly close <laughs> to them. And uh, the other awesome visual of lighting the white rocking chair on fire. I was expecting an awesome kind of visual on that. And even like, I was half expecting him to not even put Randy in the chair for him to set it on fire by himself as a visual. Maybe try to throw Randy into it. <laughs> that was one of the things I expected. And uh, yeah, uh, one thing I did like was like just casually prodding it as he walked by afterwards. Mr. Sam saying that the rocking chair generally got him. Like he was generally worried what they're going to do there. Uh, it didn't realise a pre-shot that probably helped his reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I think I was unlucky that I noticed a slight edit beforehand, and so I already knew. And I knew I knew it was shot beforehand, but um, I think quite often before they've done it in like single, like like the Rey Mysterio eye thing. They did that beforehand, but they didn't really uh, didn't really do that much editing around it. So I was like, oh, they'll maybe do something similar there. But I, I'm, I happened to see an edit beforehand. I can't remember what it was. So I was, all, I was already onto it. My assumptions were already raised, given like everything I'd seen around it. Uh, but I'm really happy they did edit it. But yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah. The little thing I liked was after they did that spot on the rocking chair. Uh, Bray Wyatt, just a little thing. He just prodded the chair. No, the on fire chair. He just casually just poked the rocking uh, the rocking chair just to get it rocking <laughs> just a little bit as he walked past it. I was just like, that's a really cool villain thing to do because you're in an inferno match. If you and you're so casual around fire that you're just poking this on fire chair in a match where you'll lose if you set on fire. <laughs> I was just like, I really liked that. It was a, such a minor thing. I'm assuming a lot of people would have just not noticed it. It's like, I really like that. <laughs> uh, but yes, 
After that, The Fiend again. Also, it's the fact he did that after Orton so narrowly avoided being set on fire. (laughs) Just to then casually break the chair. Uh, But yes, The Fiend again with the weapon of fire. Uh, This time, the axe handle aflame. Again, the visual looked fantastic. It's just the way that he does that and then charges at Orton. He was obviously going to miss, but the visual of it was great. Which is often what wrestling is. Uh, But the ending gave us a genuine man on fire. So again, even though I'd seen all of this build-up, it was in my head like, this is pre-edited. Do they actually get a stuntman in and actually set him on fire? Forgetting wrestlers are essentially stuntmen themselves. <laughs> so that's what we got here. Uh, for the first time, thanks to pre-recording an actual man on fire in an Inferno match. It's, uh, yeah, The Undertaker and Kane have got nothing on this. There is no, go- you can't do any live version anymore. <laughs> You've hit your peak with this match. Uh, the Fiend looking set for a win. I really enjoyed the ending. Because again, with Orton dressed so much head to toe, the assumption was there that eventually the Fiend would just grab him and he's wearing so many clothes, he's just gonna, the clothes will just set a bit on fire and be fine. He'll very quickly get extinguishers out, again, as we're used to seeing. But no, none of that. We never saw extinguishers. Yes, yeah, so all, uh, the Fiend was looking set for his win when Orton reversed and pressed the monster into the flames, which I think it was like a table set on fire. Pushed him into the, fame, into the flames enough to set the fiends back on fire. But the fiend stood tall. An awesome visual as his back is on fire as he runs into the ring and get, receives an RKO. <laughs> an RKO to an on fire Bray Wyatt. <laughs> that looked, yes, pay per view worthy admission. <laughs> Just yes for that shot. Uh, good, that was a co- cool visual. Like, good God. <laughs> Just the entire match building to that spot. And uh, the course of the aftermath afterwards was just by, uh, it was just that reaction of, did he win? <laughs> I guess, I guess he won. That's how that was because his back was set on fire. I guess that's what happened there. Uh, yeah, so uh, the assumption, yeah, did Vandy win there? Uh, but instead of leaving, he poured gas all over, or gasoline, all over the fiend's body and let the match. He let, he let the match wither before setting the corpse of the Fiend aflame, or post-RKO body <laughs> of the Fiend aflame. And, uh, yeah, so for multiple shots, I, I feel like they probably should have only changed out the body for the final shot. If you're editing it that much, because he's letting the he's letting it wither, the, the uh, match. I feel like that's quite a cool way where it's like, what, is he thinking against this because it's such a big jump up from the normal violence he does and in kayfabe? And uh, when he was doing that, quite a few of the side shots, because it's still Kevin Dunn production, so you need every camera angle under the sun whilst he's having his little think. And quite a few of them showed the body of Bray Wyatt, but that it was, it was the kind of put-together one. So it's like a mixture of the two shots where sometimes you would get Bray still lying there. Sometimes you would get the doll version, which is to be set aflame. I was just like, just don't show the doll ones. Like, it's probably not that difficult. Uh, yeah, I, I would have gone with the left side of Bray. So you are, you are at least cutting back to Bray lying there. Before you don't have to do the close up on him because then you're just expecting, like with um, where they do the push off the top of a van or something, and there's so blatantly a pad there because they don't pan away or anything. You just stay there. <laughs> it's just. Uh, yeah, so at least you have your side. It's edited. You can do it. You don't need to show me the body. <laughs> You've edited this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so even though all of that, 
even though it was blatantly just a doll that's been set on fire and they're selling it as genuine Bray Wyatt type of thing, even though it's that, I don't care. <laughs> I loved it regardless. <laughs> I don't mind. And it's one of the things where I'm like, I've got no idea where you'd go with this afterwards. Like, unless he Jason Voorhees is it, is it? That's really hard to say. Jason Voorhees is it. <laughs> unless he does that, he comes back for Friday once again. Because he's that unkillable monster, regardless of what you do to him. Like, unless they do that, can't possibly... Like, you know, they're moving on from this. Is that is The Fiend actually, like, done? <laughs> Does he just come back as something else entirely? Uh, he's more of, a, like, a spiritual thing. So he just bought... He just burned a corpse of nothing. The Fiend will return. Uh, yeah, I... I've, I've really liked that match. <laughs> I don't know, I felt like a, it's the type of thing where it's over the top and it's so blatantly kind of not the best prop in the world at the end. It's like, ah, but I don't mind it. It's fine. It's it's WWE. It's wrestling. It's WWE. For some reason, I appreciate the effort. <laughs> and it's not like the Ray thing where it's like bad, bad. It's, it's not holding a ping pong ball onto his face. It's like, no. Like, it, he was generally on fire and then they sold it and we got to see a big fire. Yes, it was doll on fire, but we got to see big fire. Ah, pretty, pretty flames. <laughs> we got to see that as well. So yeah, a, yeah, a wacky match, a certainly unique match, and one that left me with an interesting feeling afterwards. <laughs> it was certainly a strange one, but I generally I come out of it like, no, I generally enjoyed my time with that. As wacky as it was, don't mind it. I don't mind a bit of wackiness in my wrestling. And that was pure nonsense, <laughs> but I was up for it. <laughs> Maybe part of it is I know I'm, I, I'm not watching Raw for like two or three weeks after this. <laughs> even though I'm returning to wrestling, I've got Wrestle Kingdom, so I'm not going to be able to really take in any Monday Night Raw. So I'm gone for like three weeks. So it's just, uh, it's like, yeah, I uh, I don't, yeah, I'm fine with it. I enjoyed it. I'm happy this was my send-off. As weird as it was, I'm happy I got a memorable send-off rather than a crappy one. It's, yeah. And what helped as well is the rest of the show. I feel like it's a very, very strong time to then switch to the rest of the show. With Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens. Ooh-ah, 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 ooh-ah. I need to get the... I've got a yeah, thing up. <laughs> Pop point with me is up going... Ooh-ah, ooh-ah. Uh, but yeah. Tables, lads and chairs. We've got two of them. That was this pay-per-view. Uh, both the champ- men's championships were on the line. I feel like I don't need to give a score for the that one. Do I? I don't really give scores. I think thoroughly entertained in spite of it being nonsense. Didn't really care that it was nonsense. I enjoyed the fire. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, but yes. So our first tables, lines, and chairs match that I will be talking about was the second one on the night, the Universal Championship: Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. And when this was airing, I felt like I was with everybody. Like, yeah, I was honestly surprised that this didn't main event. It's been a really solid build with such a strong champion in Reigns. And yeah, I thought it was an odd one. You can tell by the promo package alone that this is, it's been a strong build on Roman Reigns. It's a really strong character. So to not have him main event felt a little weird, but then given the main event we got, it's like, yeah, I feel like, that, yeah, we we might have been taken out of it were we to watch this after you know the Bray Wyatt Dollar Flame thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, I kind of understand that. It would have probably struggled to get back into this one because you'd be thinking about whatever that was <laughs> at the end of the match. But here, yeah, and the match itself. Uh, the match starting in an element of surprise with... Is my Santa hat falling off? <laughs> in the element of surprise with KO jumping Roman, 
cannonballing over ringside and taking full control of the fight. Like, almost like it was a genius idea to bring out Jey Uso right from the start and take him out of contention. KO swinging a chair at the man's foot in response to an attempted superkick, following up with another swing and fully taking the man out. Reigns flew in with a drive-by, but Jey Uso had officially been taken out of the equation. It bloody worked. <laughs> well done, KO. I mean, I rattled through what happened. I just wanted to get the kind of point across. KO was painted as a smart baby face. Oh, <laughs> we've seen that twice this year. Crazy. <laughs> Drew McIntyre, for the majority of his reign, painted similarly not stupid and smart. Kevin Owens here was like, well, my strengths are in this kind of brawly, street fighting kind of scenario, so I'll just turn this match into that. So, yeah, and the match did pretty much follow that pattern. It never kind of broke out from like a brawly, street fighty kind of thing. And that tone was set by Kevin Owens, because that's a tone he will benefit in, giving the greatest chance of... Yeah, it's just... And of course he gets to take out Jey Uso, as in cause him out right at the start. No risk of him running out and costing him like right at the end out of surprise. Like, no, he's called him out now, he can take him out now. It didn't work. It was just that you got to really see Jey Uso just fight through the pain and sell what he's willing to go through for the head of the table, for the tribal chief, to, for, the, for the family. As in, he may have a properly injured ankle, but... He went through that pain for the family, and that's what's painted throughout this match. As in, it's not that easy to take out Jey Uso, was the story we got tonight. But, uh, over the course of his defences, the cracks in Roman's dominance beginning to show. At uh, this time, true, like on his lonesome for a lot of it, uh, as he took out his anger on his challenger, with Jey Uso uh, taken out with that chair to the foot. I loved the feel of this match. Uh, that street fight nature I was talking about, uh, this like brawl of a TLC match. It wasn't your standard lots of spots stuff. I think that's become my least favourite TLC, just because they've been around for so long. If you're just going to do spots without a story now, I, you're going to struggle to get me into it. And I feel like the like even the earlier TLC matches in, in their crazy st kind of run of stunts that they ended up being, the like the early ones, like one and two, they had such an incredible kind of building of momentum throughout the match. So by the end of it, he's just like, they stand up today. Even after all of the TLCs we've seen, those first two, just the pace of them and the way they build, they stand up. And uh, yeah, this match, I feel like this is what I want now, if that makes sense. As in, I don't know if I want who can do the craziest stunt. Give me a story as strong as this with such strong kind of character injection into it this is what I want <laughs> it's fantastic and yes uh, eventually Kevin Owens ended up climbing the ladder but a limping Jay Uso returned to jump the Canadian fighting through the pain to aid the head of the family uh, he eventually crashed through the announce table thanks to a pop-up powerbomb and got buried within the rubble uh, Owens is always unable to climb the ladder though and just have a grab at that title thanks to the numbers game he takes out one the other one's fresh uh, hence, burying one of them was a genius idea. And an oof of a powerbomb to KO from Reigns onto a ladder that was draped over the bottom rope, uh, followed by an even more painful-looking back body drop, which I'm happy they replayed because it happened whilst they were replaying the first one. So you know these spots are coming. <laughs> it makes me laugh when those little things happen. It's like You know these things are, are coming. Uh, but at least they replayed it because it looked brutal. A back body drop onto the ladder, which was down in the A, which, yeah, that must have been painful. Uh, Roman crashed Owens through a ringside table before using some of the J-Rubble as a weapon. 
including the announcer chair. Uh, going unrelenting at ringside with another Samoan drop this time through a table. I just love that, like, unrelenting kind of uh, just force from Roman Reigns. Like, when he turned it on, he just drove Owens through again and again. Just no regard, didn't care, anything to take him down. Owens then looks great in his outright refusal to die. Both, just in that one bit, both guys come out looking amazing. Because Roman destroyed the lad, but the lad refuses to die. Like, nothing left in the tank as he just grabs the bottom of the ladder. Roman kind of just sighing and climbing down before spearing the life out of the man <laughs> through a corner propped table. Uh, KO then using the ladder at ringside to hoist himself up onto his legs, baiting the champion to ringside, who then eventually just accepts it's like, what's worst can happen? Charges at him and charges through the barricade. Uh, the commentator screaming, can I KO do it? Can KO actually do it? Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> but they built up the hype. Roman dragged him back down again this time, but after a fight, it was KO reversing with a pop-up powerbomb through a table, and the Canadian had it again. But Jay Uso once again there to stop the challenger right at the brink. Owens fought him off, uh, but Reigns then had enough time to recover, as I said the pattern was beforehand, and stop the follow-up climb himself, choking KO out with the guillotine atop the ladder, Pulling down the title in his slow, controlled demeanour. Uh, yeah, top calibre stuff once again from this Reigns run. Both he and his challenger looking like a million bucks. For me, he's he's up there for an all-time great championship run right now. Yes, we're like, we're, this is like the second feud. So maybe it's a little bit too early. But I feel like we're on that momentum. Like, if it stays at this level, if we're able to continue it, then I feel like he really is that high up, personally for me. Like the nail, like every pay per view one has just nailed the character work, and maybe it won't be like your favorite match of the night. I don't think I'd say this was my favorite match of the night, but still nailed the character work, kept me interested in Roman Reigns. Wanted to see what happened next, and Kevin Owens got put over as his man just refusing to die. Really, really enjoyed that. Right. So yeah, so that was another thumbs up <laughs> on this pay per view. And I'll take a quick sip of water because I've been banging on for half an hour. Mm. That's a first sip. <laughs> More of a big old gulp. Uh, but yeah, so let's move on. As I finally remember to change the images on one of these shows for once. It's Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles. You damn right, I've figured out the order for this stuff. Uh, the WWE Championship. Uh, Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles in a tables, ladders and chairs match. Let's bang them out back to back phrasing. Uh, the show kicked off big with a Monday night's headline match. Uh, McIntyre bringing the beef. I need to say that in a Scottish accent. Bring on the... No. <laughs> Not happening. Uh, bringing the beef to AJ. The challenger on the back foot from the get-go. Uh, even though the champ was on top, Styles gradually worked on Drew's knee and created that weak point for later. Eventually slamming the thing into the ladder, talking on it in an awesome spot with the calf crusher on the ladder and then the calf crusher in the chair. It's like, oh yes, really enjoyed that. Yeah, just properly wearing down the champion. Lots of little great spots in this match, like uh, AJ going to pop off a table with a phenomenal forearm, instead caught and launched overhead belly to belly onto the ladder. Oof. And uh, again, something I've been praising in terms of Omos. I don't know if it's because he's limited, therefore they're not showcasing him, but as a bodyguard character to act like an actual bodyguard and not just interfere 
on whims. It's like no, he he doesn't he doesn't offense. This tonight was the first time he did any offense against somebody, and it wasn't until there was like proper interference, and there was no way to say help AJ without doing something. Yes, again, again, whilst AJ's on, whilst AJ's there, almost doesn't hit anybody. And I really like that. <laughs> it's just as a heel big guy that's at ringside with all the people going, look how big this big man is. And all the wrestlers are going, wow, he is big, isn't he? It's like, yeah, yeah, he's big. Also, half the people can't say Omar Bahin, so now his name is Omos. Not that difficult. <laughs> anyway, so his presence was felt without laying a hand, helping provide the ladders for AJ to climb. However, on the uh, final ladder, I can't remember if he passed them all of them, on that final ladder... Styles ended up getting quickly dumped to the outside through a table when in ran The Miz and John Morrison. The highly predicted thing, outcome Mr. Money in the Bank and his mate, powerbombing McIntyre off the ladder through a table and officially cashing in the Money in the Bank briefcase to make this a triple threat match. And if I'm right, there is precedence for this. This isn't like the first time they're doing that for like plot convenience. Like, no, I'm pretty certain a MITB person has injected themselves into a match before. Turn it to triple threat, even if it's like the final stages, because they're capitalising. Uh, when Omos used his physicality for the first time, uh, dumping Miz to the outside through a table and chasing Morrison the hell out of there. When I say dumping, he literally just carried him, held him over the ropes, and release. <laughs> it's like, uh, like, not a lot of care <laughs> in there. And he chased Morrison the hell out of there, cool and menacing the entire time. Uh, however, the match was now officially a triple threat. Yeah, now without any ringside presence, without any ringside presence, and the pace of this final run, I really enjoyed. They're like all three lads throwing fists atop the ladder. Styles fell first, Miz second. By the time Drew was grabbing the title, AJ was back. By the time he was reaching, Miz was back. Loved the pacing of this. Just lost my ability to breathe for a second. <laughs> yeah, I loved the pacing of this. No rest for anybody. And when it was The Miz and AJ, Drew used a second ladder to knock AJ and Miz off their perch. Styles crashed to the outside and Miz probably wished he had as he ate a tasty claymore to the face. <laughs> McIntyre climbed up high and we have ourselves a retention. No money in the bank win and no Sheamus. Honestly, that is exactly what I wanted. Great opener and it also gave me my little nerdy... I was like, oh, well, how would I have booked it? Oh, it didn't tick any of my negative boxes. Ah, yes. As in, there were things there, and I was fully expecting WWE to go the route I've normally seen them before. As in, narratively, a lot of it has been about will Sheamus turn on Drew or not, with Sheamus being adamant he won't, and The Miz just keep putting on prodding, trying to get him to. And I was extremely, hmm, <laughs> just expecting, just expecting Sheamus to run down when Sheamus wasn't mentioned in the pre-match promo. And I don't know if that was on purpose, but the fact he wasn't mentioned, and quite often I've seen WWE do that in an attempt to hopefully just you'll forget about him a bit so when he turns up it's a bit more of a shock. Or that's the idea, but of course he done weeks of television so it's not a shock. <laughs> Whatever it was, he wasn't featured. That made me go, hmm. And the fact that he didn't turn up, I was even more happy. It's like, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, he didn't run in and he didn't have the Miz win the championship for some reason. You keep Drew retaining, he feels like a strong champion. And now you can have Seamus kind of get angry and react later down the line. As in, actually keep them friends for a bit. Show a fracture starting to grow. You're getting that example in AEW. Just use it. <laughs> They've shown you how to do it over a much longer period of time. 
So I'm assuming Drew McIntyre and Sheamus have wrestled by WrestleMania. I don't think they'll be on the card itself, but at least they will have had a story that's gone a certain distance. And Sheamus's turn, you've seen the crack start and then he turns rather than, I've turned now, which is quite often the WWE. <laughs> As in, we've given you the context and exposition that we're friends and now it's time for me to become the bad guy. It's like, ugh, not my, not my favourite. So yeah, but really strong match, really strong opener. Really thoroughly enjoyed it again. Uh, next up is Sasha Banks Carmela. And yes, that's how I will be pronouncing her name in the entire review. Uh, that was not planned, and I don't want to do it. <laughs> SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, Sasha Banks versus Carmela. I've not watched Smackers in weeks. So uh, I've watched clips on YouTube, so I've been able to keep up with certain things, but uh, the Women's Championship I haven't entirely kept up with. It's just the odd gif on Twitter, really, and what people say. So this was my first proper introduction to the new Carmella. And first impressions, hey, the the entrance is strong and she both fits and works the character well. So not much in the way of complaints for me. Uh, Vince loves this gimmick and finally he has the right talent to work it. We've had Eva Marie. We've had Emma. It, just in this half decade, we've had Eva Marie. We've had Emma. Finally, we've got Carmella. And she's perfect for it. <laughs> she seems to fit it. Just so it feels like it's a great evolution from a previous gimmick. It's the it feels it feel, I don't know. I feel like I can take her so much more seriously with this gimmick. It felt and I felt like this pay per view really showcased that and how it gels really well with her in the ring. Also, Reginald, you are over. I think he had a surname. I want to say it was something boring like Thomas Reginald Thomas, but I'm calling him Reginald. <laughs> it just. Yeah, Reginald, tonight he got over uh, with an amazing catch as I as he seemed to generally save Carmella from a nasty landing before helping her take down Sasha. It's like, oh, good catch, Reggie. Good catch. Uh, after that ma- after this, the match became incredibly uh, physical, just increasingly so. Banks did not hold back with her Meteora and then Carmella paid back in kind in driving the lass into the apron. And th- on this night, we got our latest Sasha is crazy. And man, some of these bumps she takes on these pay-per-views. <laughs> somebody tweeting, yes, Sasha Banks, the first person in history to say that she took on Boba Fett and Carmelo in the same night, in the same week. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny. Yes, he says, would have hit better if I said the right final word. But yes, Carmela driving her head down with a face buster and Banks took it RVD style, <laughs> aka all on the noggin. <laughs> like, oof. Oh, yes. It looked painful. And uh, honestly, this was a really enjoyable fast match. Like, Carmela really giving the room to shine against the champion. Uh, The bank statement locked in after a great back and forth sequence. Uh, Reginald, who is now over, appeared again to drag Carmela out for the save. Meteora off the apron to the lad, followed by super kicks from Carmela. As Sussamon is saying, uh, Carmela has a great super kick. She does. Uh, she got straight off twice in this match, if you might. Uh, but yes, in a quick succession. And Sasha's defence curse looked to be playing that same record once again. But finally, the boss grabs her title defence. Uh, Carmela countered and rolled through into the bank statement for the win. And possibly Carmela's best match. A really great bout from the two of them. Generally... It was, so, it was so quick, it was so fluid, especially this uh, back and forth submissions. I thought they were incredibly fluid as well. Lots of like little details for one to get back over the other as well. It wasn't just Banks, it was also Carmela. So yeah. Yeah, I, I was 
throughout that review, I was really, uh, yeah, dreading the fact I'd... <laughs> I was like, yeah, uh, maybe it wasn't a good idea to, at the start, randomly decide, yeah, just say her name was Carmela. <laughs> yep, review ruined. <laughs> but yeah, really, really good match. Highly recommend it. And like, I put out a tweet afterwards, just like, you know what? I think I enjoyed that match more than I did the Drew AJ TLC. It's just, I really, really enjoyed it. I don't know what, maybe it like, felt like a less, it wasn't, didn't have all the tables, ladders, interference, carnage. It was just straightforward, one-on-one. You got Reginald, who's over on the ring side. And it just, yeah, the whole thing worked. And he got such an incredibly fluid and also kind of uh, violent feeling fighting going on in the ring. Yeah, highly recommend it. Like, if you've not watched the pay-per-view, don't, you don't, it's not just the TLC matches this year. You had you had Bray Wyatt doll set a flame, and you had Sasha Banks Carmela in a genuinely great match. Yeah, really really enjoyed it. I felt like again when I built up the other Thunderdome shows, quite often that's what they were missing. Like you have three matches that were fantastic, three matches that were fine. Here I felt like Banks and Carmela really really delivered and really elevated the pay per view from like a mid card point. Because that's a big issue with WWE quite often is uh, of modern day WWE their main events kicking ass. But your mid-card feel like they're almost wasting your time. And this pay-per-view did not do that. Like, everyone at least didn't feel like wasting my time. Or they're at least incredibly solid like this match here. Uh, cannot rate it any like higher, really. Just, yeah, nailed it out of the park. Is it Carmella's best match in WWE? That's, that's how highly I'm rating it. It's time for the Hurt Business versus the New Day. I wanted to come up with their own business name, but on the spot... At four in the morning, not happening. <laughs> I see the Raw Tag Team Championships were on the line for New Day versus the Hurt Business. A great tag pairing, if only they didn't give it me every single week on Raw. And I'm not doing that as emphasis. They are literally the only two teams in the division on Raw. They will be facing each other on Monday. <laughs> Monday. Like the, we are not moving on from this feud. This is carrying on forever. And this is really the only way to freshen it up, even though the Hurt Business 100% as a group, as a faction, deserve this. They can do a lot more with the titles. They need the titles a lot more than New Day do, because this is a, like a new faction establishing themselves. And they've got a great little story going on with uh, Cedric, which I think only started this past week. And maybe I just didn't pick it up beforehand. Uh, but it's been two kind of shows in a row where they've done little things with Cedric. And I was like, oh, I like that. I like that character tweet. <laughs> I really like that. It's just... You know, wouldn't hurt if they had somebody else to wrestle. I don't want to watch it again. <laughs> I think that's my only issue. Um, I, I, I wasn't able to get as hyped for this match as others, just because in, in reviewing Mother Night Raw every week, I've watched them wrestle, be it one-on-one, be it in a six-man, be it two-on-two. I've watched them wrestle every single week for like two months. It's like, yeah, they don't mix it up at all. And again, when I'm watching AEW at the same time, and so rarely do you see that happen, like back-to-back same match week to week, week, week. It's uh, in the tag scene, they face the other tag teams. Crazy idea. <laughs> but that's a difference in, I guess, I want to say philosophy. I just mean WWE have never really ranked their tag team scenes that highly. So they don't put the... You see it in the effort put in. When they're delivering so well on Roman, and as an example... And then you see the tag team scene where they've literally got one opponent. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, and AW have put effort into their division. So they've got depth to it. And then they have those tag teams not face the same ones that they're exactly feuding with. 
It's, it, yeah, different writing philosophies and things. But it does mean in WWE, you cannot continue to give me the same match for that long because I get fatigued with it. And that's what happened this summer. Just in case somebody listening to this review didn't really watch WWE over the course of this summer, one of the jokes became Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza, the never-ending feud where they their matches, I swear, entered the 20s. Something ridiculous. <laughs> Maybe that's not quite right. My gag was uh, to call it number 27. But they faced so often, and it was the same problem. There were just no other teams in the division, so they faced each other over and over and over every single week. And the WWE world of when you're in a feud, you face those people. But there's no one else to move on to. So once you've done the pay-per-view, you continue feuding. <laughs> uh, that's where I'm at with New Day Hurt Business. A great pairing, where I feel like, yeah, the matches are all solid. And I generally, like the first few, I was really enjoying. But I've seen it a lot now. And I know I'm not going to get a break from it. So I am just waiting. I'm just waiting. <laughs> Essentially. So, yeah. Anyway. I will talk about the match itself as I checked my phone rudely because I forgot to take the buzzer off. Anyway, so Cedric struggled to get into the match in the early going as New Day showed exactly why they're champions. Again, nice little start to it. Again, the matches themselves are fine. I'm just bored of them together <laughs> already. Uh, Shelton, the one winning momentum back with a nasty shove to the corner to Woods. The man's neck crashing into the bottom turnbuckle. And our heels fully capitalised on wearing him down. Leading to Kofi having to fend off the business two on one in the match. Uh, having a strong contest with Shelton in particular. Uh, Benjamin hyping to follow up from a top rope suplex. Which was awesome. The pop-up one because he's so athletic. When Cedric tagged himself in. Uh, Shelton pulled a face, and uh, Alexander delivered the lumbar check for the win. Forgot his surname temporarily. And we have new tag team champions. Uh, great for the Hurt Business. Doesn't really mean much if we only have two teams in the division. But it's great for the Hurt Business. Great to see Alexander slotted into this Hurt Business so well. And that nice little character thing. <laughs> yes, to Sam in the, uh, uh, in the chat. Is like, Loving how Cedric uh, took the tag in. Cedric Hungry! <laughs> I did the voice. I did the Johnny voice. <laughs> Cedric Hungry. <laughs> Let's not go into... Who who does it in Community? Oh, um... What's her name in Community? Jin and Jacobs. Jesus Christ, wrong me. Yeah. <laughs> so hungry. So hungry. <laughs> anyway, Shelton, uh, putting that face in the moment, seemingly following on from Raw, where Alexander was not exactly 100% acting within the unit, where, if I'm right, he got the win for his team... Then ran up the ramp, celebrating by himself. Like, yeah, I got the win, I got the win. As MVP and the rest of the Hurt Business are just stood in the ring. Essentially, they were just expecting Cedric to join them as they do their We Are The Faction and We Have Won pose in the ring. While Cedric was just on the ramp, just joyous, just taking that, celebrating. Like, yes, yes. Uh, whilst MVP was putting a face in the ring. As in, like, this felt like a nice progression from that as well. Now, I loved... I love that. And yes, John Silver is the best. He is the best. <laughs> in, in being the elite, he's fantastic. I love John Silver. Uh, I stand John Silver. I watched... Uh, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't watched being the elite in ages. Then as soon as I watched one, I was like, yes, John Silver, you're my boy. <laughs> Immediately into the boy stable. <laughs> love, you, love you, John Silver. On to the final match that Imp has to talk about of the night. I've done it in decent fashion. I've got there in about 50 minutes or so. So I'm only, you know, mostly blurry-eyed. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Uh, but the 
Women's Tag Team Championships were online. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Asuka and Toriana Pose. Mm, who is it? Who is it? Who is the mystery partner? It's it's Charlotte Flair. Of course, it's Charlotte Flair. So I, I'd seen that there were spoilers about. As in literally, the tweets I'd seen and said the words, there were spoilers about. <laughs> and I hadn't seen what the spoilers were. But I had seen people reacting to the spoilers. So I was in a weird middle ground <laughs> when I was coming to this show. So, and, I, and I gauged by reaction, without ever seeing Charlotte Flair's name, that it was her just because, you know, she gets that kind of reaction online. So, well, who gets that kind of just splitting reaction of... Uh, being perfectly fine with it and being absolutely outraged. Oh, it must be Charlotte Flair. <laughs> There's no middle ground. Like, if you do a column on Charlotte Flair, maybe I'll do it as a test. I don't know when I'd write it, though. <laughs> you did this as a test. The comments would either be just, like, fine, like, no high emotion in particular, and then outrage! <laughs> How can you possibly like Charlotte Flair? Like, there's no middle ground with it, <laughs> between those two. Which, uh, yeah... And I've really hurt my throat doing that. <laughs> that might be a mistake. Apologies if I peaked. I don't think I did. The new microphone, new microphone is very good. Uh, but yeah. My has the Raw division been desperate for Charlotte Flair's return. The Queen is back. Like, I was so fatigued of her six months ago. Like, what with her being on every show for a quick run. Like, by every show, I mean Raw, SmackDown and NXT. Charlotte Flair was on every single one of them, like, most weeks. It got fatigued of her. They're giving me too much Charlotte Flair. But man, has the break been beneficial. Like, she now enters a division that benefits so much from her being in it. And I'm not fatigued anymore. Like, scarily enough. So, um, even though I was fatigued six months ago, I've not seen Charlotte Flair for six months. Now I am not fatigued. I'm, I'm not going to stay of that opinion of, oh, Charlotte Flair. Well, beforehand for me, it was purely out of fatigue. I was still enjoying her work. It was just too much of it. And I kind of got a bit, uh, and especially with the NXT one, we didn't seemingly have much direction to it. And yeah, so yeah, scarily enough, I become unfatigued <laughs> when they're not there. Uh, and I'm all fresh and ready to go. And plus, the uh, it does make sense. Naya, the one who took Charlotte out six months ago, and now paying for that attack. It's like, yes, I really liked that. And Nijax has become a bit of the liability for her team, which has been the story with Lana. Where slowly over the course of it, she was calling out Lana as being the weak link, as not deserving to be on their Raw Survivor Series team. But as the feud has progressed, Nia Jax being so dead set on Lana, she has slowly and eventually become the one taking the losses. She's become the liability she was bullying Lana for. So, yeah, as a, as a little narrative, yeah, I like that. Of course, people are immediately laughing of what's actually happened where Lana was just taken out of the mat. In the Lana storyline, it ends with Charlotte Flair becoming champion. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, again, if Lana, if Lana turns up, then, yeah, fine. But uh, see, they did the whole run of injuries, so if she turns up on Raw, it's like super healing once again. Uh, that's the only downside of WWE really wanting to give you exact medical names of injuries, which then means when they return relatively quickly. It's a bit of an odd one. <laughs> Just kind of push it aside. It's Vessel of super healing. I guess. But Flair returning with all of her signature spots, from the simple run of big boots to the flying athleticism of the moonsault to the outside, the tag environment making the figure eight the one move not to see full fruition. She gave it a good go. Flair and Baszler doing their best to lock in their submissions, 
but it was Flair who adjusted first and rebounded off the ropes with the natural selection for the win. And we have a new tag team champions. Have a new tag team champions? Put a plural on it, Imp. We have the new tag team champions. <laughs> a lot of the focus on Flair, but man has this division needed her. Like, oh, <laughs> I don't know where they're going to go with her and Asuka as champions. But I can, all I can say is Asuka, legit, had no contenders. There is a reason she was challenging for the tag titles. And finally, there's someone to work with. I felt like, as, like when Mandy Rose returned, it's like, oh, like it's not someone I believe should beat her, but it's at least someone for her to face. And now Charlotte Flair's returned as well. Maybe you got someone for Charlotte Flair to also face. Uh, so it's like, kind of like it's positives all around for me. Yeah, there is that is suddenly you've got a division, you've got people returning that you can actually use, and it's more than just Asuka, Lana, Baszler, Jax every single week. You got you got Dana Brooke coming back uh, to work with Mandy Rose as well, but you got that's people for them to face, and then you've also got Charlotte Flair returning, which is the big one. She will become the sole focus. She became the big focus of this match. Never mind the division. <laughs> I feel like that's what it kind of will be going forward, but the. Uh, I guess, again, the only outlier is they've also got Mia Yim on the roster. But they haven't really, because <laughs> she's in Retribution, which means she's practically a dead act. As in, dead on arrival, still dead now. Uh, trying to fix things in hindsight, but then two weeks later they'll kill him even more. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't kill what's already dead. But you can by eliminating them with ease out of the rumble. That's my other prediction. Yeah, And that's the end of the review. I've blasted through everything on this. I guess a unique ending to the week, to the uh, to the run of WWE 2020 with the Thunderdome. I don't know when they're moving to the baseball stadium. I don't know if things have been thrown up in the air or whatever. I don't know what's going to, again, with Monday Night Raw, do they get a load of viewers tuning in to go, well, what on earth did they do after last week? <laughs> and immediately, as soon after they're asked for a bit more adult content because what they're giving isn't working in USA Demand, a bit more adult content, apparently. They give us the corpse of Bray Wyatt set aflame. <laughs> so, okay, that's a, that's a bit more graphic if you're able to... Uh, again, if you're able to at least not see clearly a doll. But as an adult, I mean, as kids, that would probably... Would that really terrify you as a kid seeing that? <laughs> that's a little bit overly violent for what they're used to, for what WWE give given for the past little while. We'll see. Was that a sign of things to come? Or was it really just the same thing as Rey Mysterio half a year ago? Just, you know, not done incredibly craply. Remember, it was on YouTube at the last second. Oof, <laughs> saved the swear word. Uh, but yeah, generally enjoyed TLC. Uh, positive vibes coming out of it. A lot of, it was a show that flowed really well. And again, made me a bit interested of what's going to come afterwards on the television. Which again, that's like ma the main point really. The pay-per-view sells the television. The television sells the pay-per-view. And the pay-per-view sold me on the television <laughs> with what it gave me. Aside from the fact that I know what the television's like. So it's kind of like outside context is the only reason where, I, like, over Christmas, I'm taking my time off. I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> no wrestling. I'll, I'll tune into Twitter. I'll see things. I'll still be able to keep up with what's happened, but I won't be watching the show. I won't be able to give my opinion, really. I can just know on a bullet point that a thing happened. But that'll be about it. That's the end of the review. I didn't say the word review there. I said review because <laughs> I'm a bit tired. Uh, so yeah, you can hit me up on Twitter at the damn Implicat. You can read my columns I post whenever I do post them over on Wrestling Headlines channel. Uh, Sam's been in the chat a lot. You can read Sam's columns. He's been posting a lot more regularly than I have as of late. Again, lockdown 
the pandemic's affected us all differently. And for me, unfortunately, it just means not as many columns. Uh, and I've, made, I've dived into these late night reviews instead. Uh, anyway, so also the end of year awards. Uh, don't forget to uh, go and vote in the end of year awards. I've already done it. Thumbs up <laughs> to uh, determine your victor in the awards. I don't know. I felt like I had a second half of that plug there, but I didn't. Uh, also, so I will not be back for the Monday Night Raw review and there won't be an NXT review either. Uh, see how, how much the YouTube algorithms like that. You will still have Lucha, uh, Lucha, Lucha Joe. Well, I forgot his name. <laughs> really. You'll still have uh, our resident Lucha Luchering all over with our daily updates on the, on the channel. So there'll still be videos uploaded. It just won't be these, tils, these reviews until after Wrestle Kingdom. So I think that's three weeks because it's on the 4th and the 5th and one of those days is a Tuesday. So I'll be doing Wrestle Kingdom in the morning and doing that instead. And then not staying up till midnight because I'll still be recovering <laughs> from like weekends and stuff. Uh, so like New Year's or whatever. and Or whatever's left of my New Year's given what's happened in England recently. So yeah. That's 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 all I've got to say. <laughs> anyway, uh, follow, yeah, follow me on Twitter. Follow uh, Wrestling Headlines on Twitter as well. I think I've put it all in the description. Actually, I might have copied over the old link for the Twitter, but oh well. Uh, on Facebook as well. I want to give that a like. Uh, do all the things you do with the podcast versions because it's out as well. Also, the uh, like, the subscribe, uh, the uh, all kind of um, kind of interactions with us helps in any regard. Uh, but yes, comment below. I try and get back to you as well on opinions or whatever. Be it on the Wrestling Headlines website, be it on Twitter at the Dab Impacat, be it here in the comments. And also, you can donate on Red Circle if you really want to. I think I put the link to Red Circle in the description, and there is a link to donate as well. Uh, other podcast versions. There's just a link on the bottom of the actual description just to donate to this podcast. It's nice and simple. It's one of the benefits of Red Circle. Anyway, I am now going to flutter away to Christmas. <laughs> do you flutter to Christmas? I don't know what you do. You, you stumble out from it. <laughs> I know that. Don't exactly know what you do into it. Uh, yes. So with that, I bid you adieu. Did you enjoy the TLC review? Oh, well, TLC itself. As much as I did another Thunderdome pay-per-view that flowed really, really well. And now we go into the baseball stadium era where crap gets wild. Or it doesn't. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens with record lows. What do they throw at the wall this time? We'll have to wait and see. So with that, I bid you adieu. Thank you for listening, watching, uh, whatever other version you could doing of it. Reading in Braille. <laughs> with that, I bid you adieu. Um, oh yes, Merry Christmas, Sam. Merry Christmas to all you viewers. I should do the farewell Merry Christmas. So I hold this pint of water like it's uh, something a bit grander. Uh, so with that, I bid you adieu. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas and a Merry New Year. Adios. Ten.